gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 26, the review segment for Friday, June 13th, Ooh, 2014. It's Friday the 13th. Very appropriate for a <laughs> buddy cop movie. I did not know why you were making that sound for a really? second. I'm like, what is the occasion? Is it, is it June 13th, known for its ghosts, known for Just its hauntings. Just think of all of the uh, terrible horror movies we got spared this year. There's no Friday the 13th horror. So. It got bumped. Everybody be grateful. Uh, we're reviewing 22 Jump Street, which is the sequel to 21 Jump Street, a movie that we reviewed and all liked on a previous incarnation of this podcast. Uh, and most people liked it. It was a big hit, which is why there's a sequel, which could be discussed in great detail in this movie, which in true uh, style of directors and writers, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, is very meta about the nature of sequels, uh, you know, being a sequel of a movie that was a reboot of an 80s property, and there's lots of in-jokes about that. Um, but as, you know, as people have been saying in reviews, it's really a movie about these two cops played by Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill and their relationship and how it gets tested when they have to go infiltrate a drug ring in college and what it means for them to be in the middle of their bromance that's really more like a romance and uh, have it tested by other people from the outside. I thought this movie was hilarious. I laughed a lot. I know that I have intellectual thoughts about why it might not be as good as the original, but mostly I just like talking about how funny it was. So I'm going to rely on one of you two to talk about if there's anything to say about it other than that it's really funny. <laughs> Although I want to hear your intellectual thoughts on it before we're no, done. No, I, I need oh, okay. you guys to like prime the pump. Like I can't remember uh, anything. Well, I mean... So essentially, just to... I, yeah, I what is this movie very, about? Not that that Kay actually matters. Kay's infiltrating a drug ring in college. Yeah, I, th- I, I thought Kay did a good job of setting it up. I think... Um, you sons of bitches are going to college. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's really that's what it, it is. And it's, uh, as is uh, joked about ad nauseum, it is beat for beat the same structure, more or less, in, but in a bigger, inflated, Bad Boys 2 sort of way. As you can sort of see the the... What's the word I'm looking for? With it, it starts with a G. Uh, anyway, whatever. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where you're going here. Uh, we'll go with like the whatever. There's uh, not the enough Michael descriptors Bay, like, there the to guess Michael that Bay, word. Like filter that is over the opening like action sequence. Hour? No, uh, really sets the scene. But um, the gradient. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, no. Well, this will be a, a fighting the war <laughs> mystery for the ages. What word I was going for that one time? Uh, the I was. You know, I I, not, I certainly think that some of the think pieces about the bromance between the two characters uh, were valid, uh, and the topics discussed therein uh, certainly so. But during my experience watching the movie, uh, it, it, the the amount of attention focused afterwards, after the fact, on Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum's relationship in the movie seemed at odds with what I cared about when I was watching the movie, which was not really them. Uh, I was, uh, you know, there, I think the movie is very funny. I think like a lot of sequels, it is very bloated and needlessly stretched out and, um, and saves the best stuff for the end. Uh, but I think of the joke wears thin pretty quickly. I don't think the first movie, I think it's funny, but I don't think it's especially funny. I don't think it's up there with like Wanderlust and uh, 40-year-old virgins of the past few years, although that is setting a high bar. Um, but I think it surpassed I, expectations that were very low yeah. because of 
where it was coming from. But I just I, I didn't say it holds up as being. I, I don't didn't especially care about the relationship between these two characters. I mean, it's very thin. It is what it is. I mean, they are they. Uh, it's very cute the little bromance that's budding, and then it's complicated by all the things that people have already addressed in in their think pieces, and uh, it's all really on the surface and. Um, you know, it felt very of our age, which is uh, interesting to see play out in a movie like this. But uh, you know, I, I don't think these movies are anything remarkable. I, I they're I think they're fine. I think there's there's a Jillian Michaels. That's her name, right? The Jillian uh, Bell. Jillian Bell. Jillian, Jillian Michaels, Michaels the is the trainer, trainer. right? Okay, so <laughs> Jillian Bell uh, steals this movie, as people tell you, really in one scene. Uh, that she has with Joan Hill towards the end. Multiple uh, which, scenes. Mul- no, but I mean... All of her riffing is very funny. Well, uh, sure, sure, her entire character spends the movie uh, making old jokes at Joan Hill's expense, but really <laughs> when her part evolves into something else at the end, I was rolling in the aisles. But I think a lot of the Ice Cube stuff is very, very unfunny. I think it's very surface humor. It's completely stretched out. I think he um, he really drags a lot of this shit down. But hey, Peter Stormare's in it, so that balances it out. <laughs> Patches, what did you think? That's all it takes for you. It's Peter Stormare. <laughs> Dude, um, you're in Dancer in the Dark, you get a pass for life. That's I didn't write the rules, it's just I'm what they are. I'm going to look up all the bad movies Pe- Peter Stormare's been in that David will watch anyway. Constantine. Um, what did I think about 22 Jump Street? Well, yes. I after the movie... Oh, I, I tweeted something that I think people took the wrong way, which and I should clear clear this. Um, I, I tweeted that Twenty Two Jump Street was uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Now, what I meant by that was not necessarily in terms of quality, uh, because I love Holy Grail. I think it's every 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 sketch of that movie is hilarious and it's working on a different level and it doesn't need to make any sense. Uh, it's just a much about wordplay and throwing images at the screen and seeing what sticks, and it's it's hilarious. But uh, why 22 Jump Street reminded me of Holy Grail was its structure, in that it doesn't really have one, and it doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't matter. Um, I really do not care about any of the characters, and I think when this movie starts bothering me is when it cares too much about the characters. <laughs> um, when it's, like David mentioned, when it seems to be, like, about... Schmidt and Jenko, Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, having a relationship and having it go through problems and um, having like a complete arc that makes the movie take so long to get to the end. I I mean, it's excruciatingly painful about two thirds of the way. I I would probably, yeah, I really didn't think it was funny two thirds of the way in. I I think this movie is not good, actually. I'm kind of falling on that side the further away I get from it. Um, Even though, despite, I mean, I was laughing a lot. Whatever, you didn't like The Fault in Our Stars, so like, how are we supposed to take you That's true, that's true. I have a cold, (laughs) cold heart. Um, So I cannot enjoy anything in life. But, yeah, I I really couldn't get on board with them. It's interesting, David, to hear you say that um, I haven't read many of the think pieces that you might be referring to, so I'm not sure what people are going after here. Um, what, what, what are they going after here, I should ask? Is the bromance sort of regressive? Is it sort of this uh, gay panic extreme? Um, those, are the, those are the ones that Between I, uh, Jonah Lawson, Hill and Channing Richard Tatum. Richard Lawson on Vanity Fair. I've heard of that. Katie, you can, you can speak to this. Wrote something to that effect, did he not? Uh, well, I mean, he wrote about basically being like, you know, should they have gone farther? Like, and, you know, this is the joke that they're trying to do. It works well. Right. He wanted like, them to make out at the end, right? Basically, but yeah, but yeah. who is they? Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum? 
Yes, that's what he said. I think that's crazy. I think Channing Tatum and Wyatt Russell, who's yes. the uh, okay. football player, they definitely should have made yeah. out. Yeah, so there's this whole side plot with Channing Tatum basically falling in love with the big jock from school who runs the fraternity they're infiltrating. And I thought that would be really, if I'm going to care about any character stuff in 22 Jump Street, it's seeing Channing Tatum actually fall in love. I mean, when they meet, it's a meet-cute, right? And it's the joke is it's a meet-cute. They're like flirting with each other on the football field. and The, it's the words meet-cute. Right. into a meat sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's like, okay, we're setting this up for this kind of subversive, quote-unquote, and not really in this day and age. You almost buy it, but because it's Chetty Tatum, because it's an action movie, this isn't supposed to happen. Um, but it should. And then it doesn't really? I mean, it kind of goes off the rails because, again, the character stuff doesn't matter. But that sort of stuff, like, I'm kind of getting on board with with Channing Tatum's character here for a, a moment, a hot second, in between the mayhem of all these, like, meta jokes and just, you know, nonsense tangents, you know, again, they take drugs and they have a crazy hallucination, which I thought was hysterical, and I know David did not like that part. Um, but again, I can get, you can get away with all this kind of stuff if you have a little bit of glue to stick it all together, and I thought it was a real missed opportunity not to have Channing Tatum kind of fall in love with this guy. But, I mean, but he kind of, he did fall in love with the guy, which is, you know, the fact that they didn't make out is a major missed opportunity, but it still gets across the point where you've got, you know, the fun of watching. I mean, I think... They didn't fall in love. That didn't, it didn't... Well, no, they fall in very platonic dude love, the same as the relationship he has. But that's not what it's setting up. It's not doing that. It's supposed to be like the romance in an action movie. Yeah, but it's just the one, It's because this is a movie that has, I mean, it has a love interest for Jonah Hill, but nobody really cares about her. This is a movie that's about that romance, but just about platonic dude love. I mean, I, And yet the movie cares so much about Jonah Hill hooking up with hot chicks. Like, yeah, that's a stupid. big part of the that, movie. That, that part, like, that part of the story doesn't really get you anywhere. I thought Ice-T is, was somewhat funny. I liked watching him shoot a turkey for no reason. Maybe Ice that. Cube, right? I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah, because I'm the first person to ever make that <laughs> yeah. mistake for two actors named Ice. Um, there's a very funny joke in the movie about the walk of shame. That's that's what Jonah See, Hill's that, hooking out with girls. I didn't like that joke. Now, okay, yeah, we, we talked about girls. this. I laughed at this, and then you made me feel bad about laughing at it because it's all girls and then Jonah Hill walking home. So that's yeah. that's sexist. It's not sexist. I mean, it's, it's it's still a funny joke, like having him walking with his shoes and saying he wants to go home and watch Friends. And I mean, that is what people do when they're going home in the Walk of Shame. But I feel like I saw just as many dudes skulking home from girls' dorms. Yeah, definitely. Around in college. Why would it just be girls? I mean, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I've, I mean, there was I was definitely well. Spent- it's because the the stereotype is uh, and not a particularly flattering one for men is that the the men don't skulk. The, the men traditionally uh, beam. would. would you know, would beam over. They would, they would have their chest out. I don't know. I was so embarrassed to walk of shame home in college. That's just me, though. Especially in the streets of New York, where no one's awake except like the homeless people who. But judge in the you. streets of New York, no one cares. No, they, they do. They do care. Trust me. Everyone you walk past knows you. <laughs> well, no. you had it rough. I know it was tough. Anyway, I mean, I definitely spent some of the time being like, because you know, Brie Larson was a love interest in the first movie, and she is talented and kind of has a spark of her own. And Amber Stevens is a love interest in this one, and she's fine and way too beautiful to be interested in Jonah Hill. But you know, at this point, wow. I mean, see, that's that that is, uh, you know, (laughs) it's uh, it's sex. I would like to live in a world that's beyond all physical forms whatsoever <laughs> you know um I mean, you mean k-pax i think that's k-pax <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that like this is the movie 
I have to be honest. I haven't really, you know, other than glancing over these think pieces, I haven't really given any of these thoughts a lot of my own thought because I just didn't really think the movie warranted them. But I think that this is sort of the logical conclusion of the budding bromance genre that Jonah Hill has been instrumental in uh, helping sort of emerge over the past few years, the dawn of Judd Apatow's cinema, etc. I don't think that this movie can't be all things to all people. I think that if it is going to be that sort of logical conclusion to the point where, you know, it, it knocked up would end with them all having sex with each other. Um, you know, that's that that, how Knocked Up ended? No, but that's because Knocked Up's plot didn't allow for that. And the really audiences weren't really comfortable necessarily yet with this uh, sort of bromantic vibe that the characters share between themselves. Uh, and I think now that it's become the norm and de rigueur and like people are – all about it. I think this is sort of the logical conclusion of that. People are all about people, dudes making, I don't know, wait, what are we all about now? That, the, the idea that bromance can, can be something that American men, heterosexual American men who are comfortable with their heterosexuality can cultivate amongst themselves. Part of me thinks that having Channing Tatum be gay or have a gay experience in this movie uh, would sort of defeat a lot of what the movie is trying to do with that and the things in recent films that this movie is playing on. I think that they're the next logical step for maybe not a movie like this that's so self-reflexive, but a movie about male friendship um, would be for this to happen, would be for uh, for, for them to start making out the way that there are so many movies and now a TV show on MTV called Faking It about two female friends who... Uh, I don't watch the show. I don't know what the circumstances I've never are, heard but of they, the they. I think they're trying the to be in a clique. Awkward. They're trying to well, just gain them, popularity. One of them falls in love with the other after they make out. I think is a stunt. Uh, one of them. We're getting a dangerous maybe. territory where we're talking yeah. about something we have no idea. Anyway, what's no, about. I saw. I saw like an episode. I saw half an episode today on TV. Did but uh, Dave were here. No, but so, uh, you know, I think that that could be the next step for that. But I don't think that was necessarily what this movie was going after, nor do I think well, that... Well, what uh, was it going after then? I mean, I don't I don't think it's successful in continuing the... I don't the think it's especially complicated. bromance. No, I mean, I, but I think that's what it's... It's not complicated. It's no, successful I, I think in, if, in exploring the relationship the same way that Bad Boys 2 is, where you've got these uh, people you like watching together. It complicates the okay, relationship see, they the, have with each other and gives them a new hurdle. I think Bad Boys think is Katie more successful. Just pointed out, Katie just pointed out what I think this movie was trying to do, which is sort of stand away from Bad Boys 2 and look back and laugh at it. I think that there is well, – you know, whether Michael Bay and everybody involved was aware of it, and I tend to think – not some of the time as much as I love Michael Bay. Uh, you know, the homoeroticism in Bad Boys 2 is off the charts. They are, there are jokes in the film about them being a couple, but I think the degree to which it is, um, any other, there's that scene in the, in the electronic store. I mean, I guess they are aware of it, but I think that this movie is just that much more aware of it, that it plays on the recent, emergence of bromances in movies in a way that bad boys too couldn't because it preceded them uh but you know i i don't think that i think that we're making a mountain out of a molehill here where the movie doesn't I, I mean, necessarily yeah, do well maybe i mean i just think it's distracting and it's like compounded by how meta this movie decides to be like it can't just stick to one string of jokes you know what i mean like have have one idea and lunge into it and go all out but like after a while, I think the meta stuff started to kind of grate on me, where we're constantly calling out that this is the exact same movie as the last one. Like, in the beginning, funny. Halfway through, I'm like, yes, it is the exact same movie. I, can we get on with it? 
But it does diverge from the original movie. That's like about the point where it starts doing things differently. And no. Get to the big spring break <laughs> thing, which obviously costs more money. That's a big action sequence. It's the it's same like, thing. But it's Did not it... like you're watching that action sequence being like, how are they going to refer back to the previous one? I mean, I don't necessarily action. think that Phil Lord and Chris Miller are, are expert action directors here that where I'm like no, coming for the big set piece, right? No, well, they're to fun, do but it's it. still a fun. I mean, the uh, the action scenes are still fun to watch, and it's not like you're spending the whole time being like, it's not like you're the meta jokes are trying to pull the rug out from under you and being like, hey, this is happening. You've seen it before. They're funny in the beginning, and then it lets you get into where the story is taking you. And it's a uh, thin story, but it, I enjoyed watching what happened but, in it. I mean, I think that when filmmakers like Chris Lord and Phil Miller, no, Chris Bob, Miller and Phil Lord, you, um, you know, they they obviously care enough about what they're doing to have. Uh, revitalize this franchise with some real life to it and create the Lego movie and, of course, Clone High. I mean, these are people that you don't naturally graft cynical thoughts towards. But did either of you, and I'm not saying I necessarily felt this way, but when you were watching this movie that's so self-aware of the needlessness of sequels and how many missteps they make and thinking of giving them your money and how much money this movie is going to make and how much money they're going to make from it, uh, this product that they know to be not necessarily inferior, but uh, needless. Did, did it feel counterintuitive to you at all? That Like they're having their cake and eating it too? That's what, I, that's what I'm saying about halfway through this movie when they're still making those jokes. I feel like I'm getting jerked around a little bit. Like, tell your story and lay in tons of jokes. I mean, that's what Lego Movie does really successfully. I mean, it, it jabs at... In the beginning of Lego Movie, it's it's jabbing at, at animation and the typical archetypes for these type of kids' movies. But then it blasts past that, and it does its own thing. I feel like 22 Jump Street gets caught in quicksand here, and it's like, more meta jokes must spoof the fact that we're actually retreading the whole last movie until the final act. Yeah, because yeah. the funny thing is that if, if they had done it a little bit more straight, no pun intended, you know, if they had if they had done just a, a sequel that was the first movie set in college but without the constant nods to it, it would have been very enjoyable and people would have liked it, but it would have felt, I guess, creatively hollow. It would have driven you crazy and, to, for them to do that. Right, but you're like, okay, if the jokes are funny, if I enjoy the process, it's 90 minutes, you're in, you're out, they do what they do, you know, everybody goes home happy. But I, I think that, you know, to go back to the idea of it not being a cynical movie, even though the alarm bells are ringing a little bit in your head, is that that would have felt disingenuous because they're so aware of it and they have to be when, you know, given the tone of the first movie and reviving this, you know, dormant TV show that no one was begging to be revived – that I, I think this was really the only way to go. and But but aren't the funniest jokes in this movie not callbacks or meta moments? I think the funniest joke in this movie is Channing Tatum saying Lambo over and over again in re- reference to Lamborghini. Like, every time he says Lambo, I laugh. And that's yeah, the funniest... The other dudes say Lambros. Lambros. Uh, this, is not up for, this is not up for debate. The funniest joke in this movie is uh, <laughs> is what I referenced earlier but would not want to give away. Um, oh yes, that's, that's just, true. That's the, just a fact. The final, the final moment with Jillian Bell is yeah. inspired. It is is, is truly mm-hmm. one of the seeds of the year. I, I died watching that. <laughs> yeah, um, so it's, yeah. I mean, it's really and ultimately, you know, for all this talk, uh, for my for my money, this is worth your money. I think um, if you know you know exactly, of course, what you're getting yourself into when you buy a ticket. If you've seen the first one, and you really ought to have seen the first one, if you're gonna get your, uh, you know. Your, your time's worth here. Um, and I think that 
it, it it delivers on its promise and and then some and has some great scenes that you will uh, have not had a complete year at the movies without so Wow. It's hard not to recommend. I think it's really, I mean, for me, it was not at all hard to overlook what I do think is a kind of a draggy second act, probably, you know, I mean, because it is going through the rom-com beats of like, you know, you know, there's going to be a false separation, you know, they're going to reunite at the end and, you know, that's really just edit out Ice Ice Cube and like, you've probably, you've probably got a much quicker movie. There's definitely like some weird detours it takes, but unlike Patches, you kind of was like wondering why we were supposed to care about this relationship at all. I like watching these two guys together. I like watching them riff on each other. I like the upskulls that came, well, mostly I just like the... Uh, they end up spending a lot of time away from each other in the middle of the which movie. Which I think is also good. I mean, it's necessary, but it feels prolonged. Like, when the, when they're at odds with each other and they're infiltrating the fraternity and they're setting up cameras and they're like, we're getting plot heavy all of a sudden with, you know, sprinkles of, of physical comedy, climbing up the building and falling down, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's it's funny. It's just, I feel like, get on with it, Right. This is not what we want to see. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I didn't get impatient. And I feel like I'm, I'm being disparaging you towards are, this movie, but I, but I did laugh a lot. <laughs> I also I also appreciate, you know, I think so much focus is always on things, elements of movies that people feel like could have been improved upon. Um, I think, you know, when you see a movie like this, you go back to your computer to type up your think piece. Uh, you're, you're looking you for... Yeah, you're all about you're these looking, think pieces. What's wrong with you? No, just in relation to this movie, because this isn't necessarily... Are you telling me that, that I'm only focusing on the bad and I don't have time for the good? Is that what you're saying? No, what I'm saying is that I think, uh, you know, even if it's well-worn territory, it is nice to see a movie about two friends who really love each other, who are so uh, different people. I think it really... I don't know. I just... I don't I know. Harold and Kumar does that better for me. Uh, well, I, I mean, racially, that's definitely you know a valid thing. Um, but they're both stoners in that this movie. This is a they, better they movie both, than Harold and Kumar. Oh, I, sure. no, but, but like, I don't know those, if I agree I just, with that. Hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> Harold and Kumar are in the same. Unless you're at a horribly racially stratified place, Harold and Kumar are probably in the same social group in high school. They're the stoners. They're the kids uh, who are probably nerds. I think it's there's got to be some 13 year old kid out there. Um, and his pack of friends who are going to feel legit, like legitimized to reach out of their immediate and most obvious circle of peers and be- meet a different kind of person uh, and and see the possibilities potential for finding friends. Wow, you know, outside of where they might. You're and, talking and about not getting positive... too deep on this, but this is a pre- well, this is pretty deep. I'm I'm getting emotional when you you're talking I don't think about it's, it. I don't think it's. I, I think it's it's a lot more. I don't know. It's a lot more applicable in a lot of ways, in a lot of scenarios. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that, that there's not a single, you know, gay, straight, uh, or anywhere in between, there's not a single teenage boy or girl or whomever in America that would not be, you know, would not be able to take something away from that. Would not so, know Channing Tatum, is that how you're going <laughs> to Right, that? exactly. So, uh, I don't know, I think that, 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 that is one way to emphasize the positive, and I think it's part of the soul of what makes their pairing so much fun to watch and what necessitated a sequel in the first place. So uh, This movie's really funny. That's the main thing that I feel like we should emphasize. There are, there are parts of it like the original 21 Jump Street, which also is draggy. Uh, it's worth remembering. Uh, but overall, I laughed so much. They're some of the best jokes I've seen in anything. You wow. guys didn't even say my favorite joke, which is the Benny Hill joke. Where they drive out of frame and then they drive back into frame? Yeah, and it's in, it's in front of the Benjamin Hill Film Study Center. It's a really fun 
funny joke. I mean, and someone has pointed out that everyone keeps lamenting that Edgar Wright isn't making Ant-Man and no one knows how to do visual comedy, but Lord and Miller, coming from that animation background, they do visual jokes, which I not don't... that many live-action comedy directors do. Hmm. I'm not sure I totally agree with that. I would have to see people cite more answers than that. I, I think I, Edgar Wright is better, but I do. I think they bother to do it, which... Really? Can know. I mean... I, I don't want to get into a big. Yeah, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But like, I saw multiple people reference this um, visual essay that some guy concocted of Edgar Wright and how he passes time or how he'll uh, convey information through both jokes and visual montage or certain angles. I don't get that from Phil Lord and Chris Miller, and that's well, not to say that they're uh... bad directors or something. I just I don't see the. I don't see those types of decisions in the filmmaking a whole lot. Well, it's to their credit that, you know, even if this movie wasn't especially memorable, a number of examples popped to mind for me immediately. One in the scene where they are scaling the frat house and Jonah Hill is ambling his way up the yes. side of the building and Channing Tatum jumps across the the thing. Which you know, comes back a few times. Yes, which comes back a few times and is very funny. The Edgar Wright video uh, was well-intentioned but woefully misguided in how it – not that I disagree with its assessments about Edgar Wright, but I think it had a very myopic approach to, I tend to uh, applying them. Um, but uh, that the um, – I do think that you know while less in-your-face about it, uh, Miller and Lord are – a lot more visually adept at finding humor, visual humor, than a number of other comedy directors. Just wait until you see Tammy, uh, I'm sure, and we will have a... Wow, prejudge. Nobody has seen. Unseen prejudgment. I mean, this is this is true. Guilty as charged. I get one every year, and I'm choosing Tammy. I'm kind of excited for Tammy as a physical comedy uh, lover. God, as a fat person hater, nice. Wow. <laughs> Patches, why do you hate people so much? Yeah. Uh, this Let it know, you know, this is the episode in which Katie confused two prominent black icons. Hey, and you confused two went on the record about hating fat people. You you confused two bespeckled white directors, so everyone's sure. even. And I still think that Jonah Hill is Seth Rogen. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about those credits. We're not supposed to. Shut up. We never gone away from the place where we Neighbors is a better I still movie in seen almost it. every respect. Oh, you still haven't seen Neighbors? In okay. every respect. Neighbors is a better movie in every way. I think Neighbors is a better movie. I think this might be funnier. No. Although <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say this movie has higher highs, but Neighbors delivers much more consistently without tiring you out the way that an overlong comedy can. True. 22 Jump Street. Jump into it. Hey, Patches, what was this week's lightning round question? Yes, in honor of 22 Jump Street and covalent bonds, what's the best meta movie moment? David? Meta movie moment? Meta moment well, in a movie? I uh, I don't think I was here for this episode to obviously, you know, so predict- we recorded three days ago. Yeah, predictably okay. answer close up. But uh, so in lieu of that, I will pick Julian Fadul. Uh, at Julian Fadul, who says the last 17 minutes of F for fake, which uh, I will not spoil for those who haven't seen it. But if you haven't seen F for fake, 
get on that. That's on the Criterion Collection, isn't it? It is. I think it's uh, on Hulu. Criterion Collection. It should be on Hulu Plus, I would guess. Um, yeah, I think it is on Hulu Plus. I think I watched Hulu Plus. Why or, did he make some... that movie? Do you know off the top of your head? Why? From your... Why wouldn't he? <laughs> okay, fair enough. It just—it's <laughs> such an it's odd like experiment. It's like the moon. It's very—it's just very strange. It reminds me of like Donald it, in Mathmagic Land or something. It's. I think the humor in that film, uh, which includes the meta elements, especially uh, as they manifest towards the end, uh, is sort of. A, a perfect distillation of what I gather Orson Welles' sense of humor to have been. So I think that the the comedy of it may have been what attracted him in the first place, maybe even before the intellectual exercise. Interesting. Um, Katie, me? Uh, sure. Okay. I Well, first off, I want to know if breaking the fourth wall counts as a meta moment. Is that a yeah. meta moment? I'm, Why wouldn't it? What... what yeah, why wouldn't it be? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just curious. I, 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 I sensed a difference there, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe because I feel like a meta moment comments on reality and a fourth wall breaking the fourth wall just breaks the fourth wall of the I film mean, these and are speaks all to you. Neologisms that the internet and you know popular culture have taken one way or the other. I tend to say self-reflexive because I think it covers your bases. <laughs> but um, I mean, if people want to be sticklers and say like no fourth wall is when <laughs> that's you know, why Ferris i threw Bueller it out there directly was... addresses the camera i i think we all know what you're talking about. i was just curious about your thoughts I, i'm i'm opening up a floor anyway yeah, i yeah the reason i mention it is because our our friend at james rocky james rocky said um funny games one of my favorite movies um either version which i would i don't know if i'd give him that but um he he's talking about the remote scene where at some point these home invaders actually uh rewind the movie uh, so I don't know if that's a meta moment or it's a break in the fourth wall because I was really deciding between that and I am Chapa, who said Kareem Abdul-Jabbar breaking character in Airplane, which I always think is very funny. The kid recognizes him as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's that's different than the funny games moment, right? So there's some sort of difference there. That is, yeah, that is interesting. Um I'm going with Henry Effing James, who says, ending a Monty Python on the Holy Grail where cop shuts off the camera, no contest. And I actually didn't think of this, but I, I remember seeing Holy Grail at my neighbor's house, and I think it was early enough in my life that that moment came up, and I was just, like, confused by the existence of it. Like, I, didn't, I don't think I really processed what that meant. The idea that a movie could be meta in that way had never occurred to me before. And I like that. I think everyone needs that moment in uh, knowing that there are rules in movies and then watching them be broken and having your mind blown. Oh my God. That's exactly what those meta moments are for. We live in this world where these movies are made. Well, I really like the idea that they're just like a bunch of idiots who have been like reenacting Arthurian legend in a park somewhere. And the <laughs> it up. Like that's just the, watching the entire movie with that in mind is. Yes. Has there been an all LARPing remake of Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Yet? I feel like there has to be. Uh, anyway, that does it for today's Fighting in the War Room. We'll be back next week talking about a lot of things. It's David's organizing show, so you know what that means. Only Rangers talk. <laughs> yeah. Two Everybody hours. Everybody get excited. Two hours of hockey talk. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, tell the people who you are. I am Matt Patches. I write on the internet all over the place, and I try and put it all on mattpatches.com, and I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Patches. I'm David Ehrlich. I am the editor-at-large for the Little White Lies magazine. 
uh, which Ooh. by the time you're hearing this on Friday, I think should be official. Something, that, official. <laughs> something that's been uh, tweeted. <laughs> I'll be talking. I'll be talking about them more in the future, but uh, just was waiting to shoehorn that in. I also write on the Dissolve and the AV Club, and you can find me on Twitter at David Ehrlich and at Criterion Corner, and follow Little White Lies uh, at LW Lies. Uh, I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at Vanity Fairs Hollywood or on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. I just want to be, 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 be.